Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, we're joined by Alex Simmons, stadium senior producer. He contributed all season to the college football roundtable that you could have read on WatchStadium.com. And next week, we'll have our bowl edition of the roundtable. He's Alex A. Simmons on Twitter. He just won an Emmy. So a lot of good things going on yeah. for Alex. And uh, Alex, pleasure to join us. I'm happy you're here because I know if there's someone who could break down the early lines of bowl season, you'd be the guy we want to talk about. But first, how does your college season go? And I know we had you on in July where you broke down some good stuff in the preseason. But how, how did it go between then and, and now as the regular season has come to a close? Regular season was very, very up and down. Uh, I feel like I, I run hot for three weeks, you know, get a lot of, you know, good closing line value, you know, beating the closing spread and, you know, winning bets, have some things go my way. And then uh, I feel like, uh, you know, there's other weeks like co- conference championship week was not good to your boy. Uh, <laughs> Bailey Zappi throws for 500 yards. Western Kentucky has a, uh, I believe it was, uh, 72% postgame win expectancy and uh, lost by four touchdowns. Uh, Appalachian State hit the ball across the 50-yard line. Uh, Georgia did what Georgia does. I should have seen that coming. But, you know, from what we had seen with that team, uh, they had struggled. So I just pulled up the record. Uh, I was four games under 500 this year. Uh, so when you consider season win totals did do pretty well. Um, all in all, it's I, it's been a wash, which, you know, when I have placed on single games this year, uh, 115 bets. Um, when, when you spend the time handicapping and, uh, placing, you know, getting the right number and shopping lines, when you find out that you're pretty much even for the year, uh, what the hell am I wasting my time for? Uh, <laughs> if, if we're being real honest here, but yeah, so, you know, long, long answer to a question that should have had a short answer. Uh, up and down, decent year. Um, I think personally recalibrating after the really weird COVID season has been a struggle for me. And I, I, I feel better going into 2022 than, uh, I did coming into this year. I, I was nervous coming into this year and the results bear that out. Well, I appreciate the transparency and I definitely did not have a great college year. I felt like the first few weeks were really strong and. I was thinking like, oh, I, I miss this sport so much, like just how this was the first normal season since 2019. And then October was brutal. It seemed like every week was a real struggle. And then November, a little bit of a bounce back. And now we're into bowl season. And bowl season is a very unique betting time. It's not your normal betting these teams playing on a neutral field as if they were in the regular season. There's a lot of Now, opt-outs, obviously, we've had a crazy coaching carousel where there's a handful of teams that will have an interim coach, and maybe there'll be some more coaching news in the next few weeks that impact these games because a lot of them don't take place for another 
few weeks. So what are some of the factors you like to look into when handicapping bowl games from the jump? I think a lot of it's motivation. And, and I know that's not an original thought. Uh, but, you know, who, you know, and Nate, I, I referenced your, the article you wrote about uh, handicapping bowl games. I think it was three seasons ago. And the opt-out part of it has really grown. And knowing which players are transferring, be it because of a coaching change or, you know, for, for any other reason, it is such a huge thing that I've had to add to my process the last couple of years. Um, so I, I, I think figuring out who cares about the game, figuring out uh, who's going to play in the game is really half the battle. You know, I, you know, I, when I did my projections for the bowl games, most of what I had was really tight with the market. I had a few things, you know, when I'm looking at my early, you know, edges, uh, Georgia State, I think there's real value against Ball State in the Camellia Bowl. Uh, you know, I think a big reason that that game is lined where it is is Ball State played Army really, really tough. Georgia State got blown out by Army uh, when Georgia State was a favorite. Um, you know, it's a game that's being played on Christmas and it's very drivable for uh, Georgia State's family and friends. Let me tell you, the, the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, isn't going to have many people there on Christmas Day at 1.30 p.m. local that aren't, uh, aren't family and friends of Georgia right. State and Ball State players. I made the game nine. It's three and a half. It was three and a half when I bet it. It is uh, four and a half, five now. Um, you know, especially with such a long lead time, if you can find some of these things where you're saying, hey, I don't know how much Ball State's going to care. There's not going to be anybody there for them. I think there's, you know, that the market is making a line based on something when I make it a little bit different. Uh, I think that's the big thing. You know, I, I took a bad what is now a bad number with Pitt uh, because I think there is a huge mismatch with that secondary Michigan State. And Pitt's offense. Well, yesterday in the news drops, Mark Whipple has resigned as Pitt OC. We now know he's at Nebraska. And uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the screen the last hour, uh, but it has lit up because now it looks like Kenny Pickett is not going to play. So I laid four, um, feeling very good about that number. And now I look across the screen, I see two and a half, one, pick, uh, two and a half, one and a half, one. So you you can't it's hard to have any one ongoing philosophy because you can really get some great value in a lot of standpoints and you can also just have news like that that drops and totally bites you uh but i think the big thing is doing your homework of trying to figure out who's playing if there's a big difference between what you make a game and what the market is make sure you do your homework before you bet it you know, obviously the, the Kenny Pickett and the Mark Whipple thing kind of came out of nowhere. I'm, I'm, you know, washing my hands of it. Uh, but that was one where, you know, maybe if I would have spent 10 minutes on the pit 24 seven sports message boards, I, I could have found some info there. Uh, but I, it, it's such an information game. It is not like the regular season. Uh, you know, the early signing period has really even thrown another wrinkle. Because when you have all these group of five teams that are playing in these bowl games before Christmas, those guys, you know, you get, you hear all the time, 15 bowl practices, 15 bowl practices. Do you think these coaching staffs that are trying to shore up their, uh, I think the early signing days is one week from today, December 15th this year. 
Do you think they're really worried about getting in 15 practices when they're trying to make sure their recruiting class is solid? They do, you can't serve both masters. So it's, it's become even harder the last couple of years because of the opt-outs, because of the early signing period. And Nate, you mentioned the coaching carousel. I, it, it's, you got to know what you're, you got to know your stuff. You got to do your homework. Yeah. And just to expand on the motivation thing, I think the old way I used to look at it was which teams see that bowl game as a reward for the end of the season and which team had higher aspirations or before the season or maybe within the season and they're disappointed they're in the game. And I think two examples that stick out for me that if this game was played in the regular season, the line would probably be higher, but it's not because of motivation. First, the Duke's Mayo Bowl between South Carolina and North Carolina. South Carolina is a team that was expected to win three and a half games before the year, and they went six and six. Shane Beamer was very emotional when they got that six win against Auburn. And they're playing a team in North Carolina who before the year was an AP top 10 team. They have Sam Howell. They were hoping to at least win the division and that they are in the ACC, maybe compete for a New Year's Six Bowl, if not a playoff spot. So I think that's kind of a disappointment for Mac Brown's team in South Carolina would be the more motivated team. And then another one, I believe it's New Year's Day between Arkansas and Penn State. Can't find the bowl game right now. The Outback Bowl in Tampa for Arkansas to make a New Year's Day bowl uh, in this second year of Sam Pittman, after so much bad times with that program the last few years, is such an accomplishment for them. And they're playing a Penn State team that at one point were the number four team in the country in October. And I think they had higher aspirations of what bowl game they wanted to make. So those were just kind of two examples about teams who really are excited about being the bowl they're in against teams that aren't as excited because they had much higher expectations before the season. Would you look at something like the Rose Bowl like that, where you see an Ohio State team that, you know, as of a couple yes. weeks ago, was was thinking college football playoff and semifinals, and now they're in the Rose Bowl against Utah? Absolutely. That's another one where Utah meant that winning the Pac-12 title game meant a lot for them because they really wanted that trip to the Rose Bowl for the first time in their program's history. And I know it's been a short history in the Pac-12, but they're definitely the more motivated team when they play an Ohio State team that isn't excited about going to a Rose Bowl that's not a playoff. And then another example earlier in that day, I believe it's the New York Six game uh, in the window earlier, Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. I mean, if you told Oklahoma State they'd be in a New York Six Bowl before the season, they'd be thrilled. But they were maybe an inch away from being in the college football playoff. They're yeah. not. And Notre Dame, a team that's just on the outside looking in, also probably had playoff aspirations, but now they're a motivated team that they kind of have bounced back since Brian Kelly left, and they promote from within with Marcus Friedman. He keeps Tommy Reese, and I think there's a new rejuvenation around the Fighting Irish program where the players are going to be really excited to play for Marcus Freeman in that bowl game against an Oklahoma State team that's probably disappointed that they're in the Fiesta Bowl because they could have been in a playoff game if things broke right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I really like Notre Dame in in all the bowl games. I think Notre Dame is one of my more favorite plays. But Alex, as you look at the semifinal games coming up on New Year's Eve day and New Year's Eve, what? How are you approaching these games? Like, what? Who do you like, or do you like a side, or are you kind of waiting to see if maybe the numbers move a little bit? I laid the seven with Georgia when it opened. Um, I'm of the standpoint of. 
there is no way in hell on a bigger stage that Georgia could have looked worse, right? I think there's no way in hell the last two games that they've played, Michigan could have looked better on a bigger stage, right? You know, the, the numbers, you know, the, the numbers that I kind of go off of and tweak a little bit to kind of base my power ratings, you know, all things considered, even with an adjustment for Georgia, I made this game around 11 or 12. So thinking that there would be, um, something that thinking that, you know, there's, there's gotta be somebody out there that agrees with me and thinking, you know, we have four and a half weeks before the game. When I saw seven, I grabbed it thinking that at the worst I could buy off at eight, nine, if this thing continues to move with people starting, you know, people like to bet favorites, you know, um, you know, Georgia until the Alabama game was a pretty sexy team. Uh, and everybody's worried about Jim Harbaugh. So I, I laid the seven with Georgia of the fact that I didn't think it was going to come back. And, you know, so far I'm seeing eights and eight and a half. So that's where I'm at there. Uh, you know, if it gets to double digits, I might buy a little bit of that back on Michigan to try for a little bit of a middle. Um, as far as the total, um, 44 and a half right now, uh, is what I'm seeing. I, I think that's about right. I'm not touching it either way. Um, Alabama, Cincinnati, if I want to bet the dog, I want to, I want to so badly, but how many times have we seen Alabama do a workman like beat the living tar out of overmatched team in this game? I know we've seen it because I've been on the other side like four times. You know, I, I was, I was back in Kelly Bryant, the sugar bowl. Uh, in that game, getting oh, ten points, yeah. and I knew it was over after two plays. <laughs> like right. it, it's, I want to bet Cincinnati. I think the number, you know, as we creep out, what's it at right now? It's uh, thirteen and, and a half. Yeah, you know, I if we get to fourteen and a half, I want to bet Cincinnati, but I'm going to do everything in my power to not bet Cincinnati because I've seen this movie before. You know, the matchup on the field, you know, I, I you're going to hear all about, you know, motivation and all this in this game. We've learned about Alabama that unless you know, unless it's, you know, the one fluke game against Utah in that Sugar Bowl, that doesn't really apply to Nick Saban's teams. So I, I'm avoiding it with all costs. What's what's the total at right now? 58. 58. If we touch 60, I'm probably going to lock in an under bet, but I don't think we're going to get there. Yeah, I was thinking under in that game made a lot of sense with what you said about Alabama being workmanlike, where if Alabama covers, there's a decent chance that it is kind of Cincinnati doesn't score enough to yeah. get help the total go over. But if you like Cincinnati, I feel like if Cincinnati covers, the game has to be under. I guess it, maybe that's kind of a, a lazy handicap that like the under is correlated to the underdog. But I think that regardless of who wins this game or who covers this game, that the under makes sense to me. That's at least my early thought on the first semifinal in uh, sure. Arlington. Yeah, and I think the, the, the other thing when it comes to you know my history of losing money betting against Nick Saban in the semifinal game, Cincinnati isn't built like the teams that we've seen backdoor Alabama in the college football playoff. 
Deshaun Watson ain't walking through that door. Uh, the Oklahoma team led by Kyler Murray, you know, made that semifinal, I believe, a 13-point game. I had 14 and then loaded up live at like 21, 28, and 35 and thought I was going to lose my shirt. And then King Kyler brought him back. Kyler Murray ain't walking through that door. I love Desmond Ritter, but the Cincinnati offense is not built to have a backdoor cover against Alabama. I just don't see it. I'm going to yeah. do my best to not bet against Alabama in that spot. I don't know if I'm going to stick to it, but that's my goal on December 8th. We so, have a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the nice part. Do you, I mean, do you, are these lines, do you think they're going to move a ton before then? Do you expect them to move a ton? It's so hard with the ex, with all this time. You know, I, I think yeah. uh, the more we learn about Mechie and what the injury actually is, and maybe we don't learn anything, it was Mechie that got hurt, not Williams, right, in the in the Georgia game. Uh, right. You know, we've heard knee injury. We all saw it was non-contact. But, you know, they're going to be as tight-lipped as possible. If, if, we, if we hear that it's serious and he's definitely out, maybe this creeps down to 12. I think the Cincinnati-Alabama side is going to stay around 14 because I think you're going to get people laying Alabama, and then once it hits 14 and 14 and a half, you're going to have buyback. Uh, the Georgia-Michigan game, I feel like it would creep out more toward double digits on the side, but I, I, don't, I don't have a strong reason to believe that. But, you know, like I, I don't think seven's coming back on Michigan. I actually think it might just because okay. – like what you said, Georgia looked terrible their last outing. Michigan looked very good the last two games, especially at Ohio State game. So I think the playoff games, especially Friday evening, New Year's Eve, is going to be dictated a lot of public action late. And I could see Michigan getting a lot of support the week leading up to the game and up until kickoff, especially since it's the last game of the year, basically, in, in any sport. And I think... A lot of people be excited to bet on it, and the recency bias kind of indicates to Michigan. So while I see the sharp side is Georgia at seven, and it might get out to nine, nine and a half, I think at some point Michigan's going to take a lot of money and maybe like the day of the game. I, I think there was one game, Alex, and I don't know if, it, if I'm thinking about it right, but there was like that Notre Dame-Clemson game when Notre Dame took a lot of game day money. I, was, I could see a, a – a similar situation to that because there's a big public infatuation with Michigan just based on the last few games. Yeah, I was going to – that's a really good parallel. That's the one I was going to ask you about if you thought this is comparable to a Notre Dame and similar to the fact that we haven't seen uh, – you know, we haven't seen Michigan in a big spot like this since the playoff happened. So that's right. interesting. I, I guess from that angle, you know, I think the, maybe the reason I didn't think about it is because Michigan – hasn't had the Subway alumni that Notre Dame has in this spot because they haven't been in the playoff. And, yes, uh, that it's funny you mentioned that Clemson-Notre Dame game because I had way much more money than I could afford bet on Clemson laying the points. Uh, and I even got a little cocky beforehand and bought a couple of the – remember when Miller High Life was doing the uh, champagne bottles? Uh, oh God, had, a, yeah. had a couple of those. I was at a poker night. You know, that was also the same <laughs> night Kyler came through the back door. Uh, that, that was, that was a really, uh, that was, you brought me back to a really good night in, uh, 
college football betting uh, in Alex's uh, history. <laughs> so you talked about some of the games that you were bet that you have bet on so far. Do you have any other favorite bets that you're looking at, uh, eyeing, or have already made of any bowl game so far this year? Yes. Uh, sorry, Nate. I know you don't really care about Missouri football, but I, I really <laughs> don't see how that terrible, terrible defense. One, you, we've mentioned the motivation factor. Yeah. Do any of these guys really want to play a triple option team in, no. uh, in, in the bowl game? No. You know, no, I, 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 I like no three way. and a half. I, I don't see it. Um, Let's see. I I like Boston College against Eastern Carolina, just uh, along the lines of Jerkovic is playing. Um, you know, he's coming back to school. He's playing in this game. He is by far the best player on the field. I'm a little bit worried that Holton Naylor's. I I really like Holton Naylor's, uh, who's ECU's quarterback. He's a guy that's been really really fun to watch uh, over the last few years. Um, I think he's a good player. I'm a little worried about a backdoor cover there, but I. I uh, really like Boston College and that one. Uh, one of the most interesting games to me, and it's two teams that Nate mentioned. You know, I don't know what motivations for Iowa State and Clemson are going to be. Two yes. teams that were ranked in the preseason top ten. Two teams that had legitimate thoughts that they could be in the playoff. Two teams that had horrible seasons from their standpoint. I'm really interested. I don't have anything on the side, but. I took over 44 and a half here. Um, you have the Venables departure. You have, I, I'm hopeful that we're going to, you know, Iowa State does have some pros on that side of the ball. Um, and you're going to see some opt-outs, I think, on that side. Brees Hall is going to run wild. You know, this could be Brock Purdy's last game as a Cyclone. I, I think the pieces are there for this to be a shootout. Weird things happen in the Cheez-It Bowl, no matter where it's played. I know this isn't the Arizona version. This is the Orlando version. Uh, but I, it's a game that I'm really interested in, and I really think uh, there's value in going over the 44-and-a-half there. Uh, I told you guys about Pitt. Uh, I took a bad number now that Whipple is out, and it uh, looks like Pickett's not going to play. Uh, and I've missed my opportunity to buy back there. And Nate mentioned Arkansas. Uh, I took three points with Arkansas. Uh, in the New Year's Day game, a lot of it based on motivation, a lot of it based on the fact that, you know, it, it kind of, in a way, it goes back to the Army thing where Arkansas is an incredibly physical football team. They run the ball. They are really, really mean. They got a lot of veterans on that team that really like hitting people on both sides of the ball. And are you really going to want to do that in a game that you may not be motivated for, uh, you know, for four quarters? Uh, so that's the stuff I've laid so far. Um, I'm sure as we get closer and news comes out that there's going to be more. Um, but that's where I'm at as far as bowl season right now. Yeah, I like it. What do you, how do you look at it? The one game I was looking at that is really interesting when you're talking about motivation and just wild things happening with the team is Oklahoma, Oregon. Um, and we all know the situation around Oklahoma yeah. with the coaching issues. And Oregon has just gotten whooped by Utah the past couple of games. They've played them. It's such a weird number at four and a half in favor of Oklahoma, a 61 point total. Is this, I don't, I like, I feel like I kind of need to stay as far away from this game as possible, but it's really intriguing. Yeah. It's, um, and I see the name Alamo Dome and I, and I go back to, <laughs> I, I have really bad thoughts of, uh, that o Oregon TCU, uh, Alamo Bowl from like five years ago where, uh, it, let's just not, Trevon Boykin was suspended. Oregon blew yeah, it. Yeah. It was a bad night. 
Um, Sidewise, yeah, I'm staying completely away from this. Is Caleb Williams – we know Spencer Rattler's gone. Is Caleb Williams going to follow Lincoln to uh, USC? Supposedly he was in Brent Venable's opening press conference. But uh, we don't know. I, the one – the one thing, and this number continues to tick up from a total perspective. Bob Stoops and potentially Mike Bellotti are, is going to be the interim. This is the retired yeah. old defensive coordinators <laughs> as uh, interim coaches game. Uh, and, and I, you know, if, if we get to 63 here, I'm probably going to hit under. Um, that, that's the one look. But from a side, I, I'm with you, Ben. I'm completely, completely staying away. Uh, the one other game I didn't mention that I really thought I really liked and uh, clearly people agreed with me and I missed my chance, uh, Memphis at Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl when uh, all these stories just came out about uh, the whole team hating Todd Graham on the Hawaii side. Uh, that was one that I wanted to lay it with Memphis but was doing a little, you know, Wanted to do a little bit more research and miss my window because that one's up like six and a half, seven now. Uh, and I could have got in at like three and a half, four. I thought you were going to say uh, you missed your chance on Western Michigan plus six and a half, that it's a pick them in some spots with the news that oh Jay Norvell oh, is yeah. going within the Colorado conference State. to Colorado State and Carson Strong, Nevada's quarterback, who I believe is a potential first quarterback picked in yeah. this upcoming draft might not play, and that line has crashed in the uh, – is it the quick lane bowl, which is basically a yeah, home game for the Broncos of Western yeah. Michigan? Yeah, and I am a big Tim Lester fan going uh, going back to his days in uh, Division three football in the conference that I covered. Uh, as you know, it's been 11 years, but he's had quite a rise. Uh, yeah, that's I, – I like Western Michigan. I have a rule for myself to not bet MAC games. I do bet them in non-conference. Uh I believe in the column, you know, self, you know, self congratulations here. I believe I had uh, Western Michigan against Pitt. Uh, don't check me on that. It's I, I know I bet it myself. Um, but yeah, it, that's yeah. one. Uh, holy crap! I didn't realize that one had moved that much. Uh, I I did like Western Michigan getting some points, but not that much. Yeah, and the other big move I noticed, Fresno State, who opened a big favorite against UTEP, that's come down a little bit, and that's because. Fresno State's coach and quarterback are both going to Washington, the head coach, to obviously become the new head coach. And then their quarterback, yes. uh, Jake Hubner, is it? Or yeah, Hayner. Hayner. Jake Hayner, pardon me. He was a Washington was. player at one point and is transferring back to the Huskies following his head coach. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that is really crucial when looking at bowl games now in 2021 that maybe we didn't see – four or five years ago where it was just motivation. Now it's like who's legitimate, who's playing. And when we write our article next week on the round table, I'll have a note at the top of the article saying these lines were of as of December 15th or whatever sure. morning we wrote of, because mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of changes, even on the game day of some of these games in terms of the line, when we get news about who's playing, whether it's of opt outs, Maybe players are sick. I know we had a few flu outbreaks this season in college football that impacted numbers. So all these picks are not subject to change because we might already lock them in. But just be careful that if you want to wait till the day of the game to make these bets, I wouldn't blame you unless you have some good information about 
a certain team and the players that they're going to have on the field for their bowl game. Yeah, Nate, and you mentioned overall bowl game philosophy at the top of this thing, and I think that's that that's the one thing that I failed to mention is 80% of the time, if you're waiting until a half hour before kickoff to make your bet, it's probably you're definitely not getting the best of the number, most likely, unless there's some late breaking news. And you know, you, you you shouldn't expect great results if that's the case. You know, I, I if if somebody wants a quick DGEN bet to have a little fun over the next three and a half hours and have something to care about, totally understand. But if you're if you're looking to really grab some value, uh, good luck if you're waiting until kickoff. I like it, Alex. Appreciate you joining us. Talking college football. Of course, fellas. Always glad when you have me. Always glad when I can fit it into the schedule. Uh, yes, thank you for the congratulations on the Emmy, Nate. Uh, and the Braves, too. Oh, my gosh. What a time. Man. It's What a fall. What a fall. Dude, it's been. I, I tweeted this yesterday. You know, I, I also am a Chelsea supporter. Um, and the Chelsea <laughs> mascot was with the Champions of Europe trophy, with Blooper, with the World Series trophy. <laughs> Uh, in Atlanta, and I tweeted that my son, who is six months old, he's had two of his teams win a title. He literally has no idea how good he has it because, A, he doesn't even know what sports are and don't really care, but, B, two titles in six months, holy hell, it's been a pretty great fall, spring, and summer. Let me tell you that. There you go. And and you're not negative in college football betting, at the very least. Uh, not yet. we still got plenty of bowl games here, Ben. <laughs> there we go. Alex, I appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thanks, guys.